Welcome to the director's commentary with me, the director of Thragnarok, Taika Waititi. Oh, what is this mysterious world we've entered into? It's a smoky place. Maybe it's uh, someone's lungs has been smoking. Yes, the inside of the lungs of the Marlborough Man we've found ourselves. Oh, it's a version of inner space, and look, there's a little person stuck to one of the lung glands. Good Lord, it's Joel Edgerton uh, in shackles. Uh, this is the kind of um, mystery that I wanted to create with this film. So as soon as you walk into this film, as soon as you, you find yourself in this world, you don't know where you are, and we've got the hero of the movie, of course, Thor, um, telling us. Uh, everything that's happened to him into this cage where he met you skeleton man so uh, I often do these director's commentaries and I find them really hard because um, you end up just commenting on what's on the screen and so you'll find like the worst director's commentaries are like oh and then there's a skeleton just fell down and then Thor's um, dangling in a chain and he's turning around and then we introduce Serta fun fact Though, fun fact, the uh, motion capture for the character of Serta, that big, um, that big demon, was performed by one of the greatest actors in the world, not just New Zealand, but the world, Taika Waititi. Um, for all you people who um, love fun facts, and we're, I've got lots of them, um, that um, thing on his head is um, an ancient boomerang. We shot in Australia, and uh, we um, we uh, were given the boomerang as a um, as a gift, and um, we uh, managed to work that and put that into the um, as the the crown for for Serta, the fire giant. Um, all of that fire is real. Um, I was on fire as I was. Um, doing the motion capture. The voice, however, um, who can answer this before me? Nobody. It's Clancy Brown from one of my favorite movies, Highlander. Uh, there can be only one. So um, we shot this movie almost in its entirety in Australia on the Gold Coast. Um, and this environment is actually exactly what it looks like down there. Um, it's very hot, very smoky. Um, lots of um, lots of people um, made of embers and charcoal. So Chris Hemsworth, what can I tell you about Chris? I did all of the motion capture for him in the movie as well. So every time you see him walking around and talking, that's also me. Um, I basically did all the characters in the film. Me, 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 me. It's all about me. All right, did you notice... 
little um, demon guy on the in the corner there. If you didn't, press rewind and go back to that high angle shot. The little guy is waking up. Um, wow, I'm really struck by how good the CGI looks. I'm really amazed with how cool this character looks in a close up. Not him. Not this. Not this guy. The other guy. They've got big Serta, the big guy. You know who I'm talking about. Watch this. Look at that. Look at his teeth. How would he possibly brush his teeth? Toothbrushes. He'd go through so many toothbrushes, wouldn't he? How are you guys enjoying this director's commentary, by the way? On a scale of 1 to uh, 1. 1.1, um, what would you give it? Whoa! What? He's got a hammer? I don't know that. I did know that. That's one of the things about directing films. You've got to know some stuff about your characters. <gasps> oh, look at that. Dragon. Hammer of the Gods. I mean, it's the perfect song, isn't it? Perfect song. We're growing up with this song. Who would have thought, as a young tiger growing up in New Zealand in the 80s, if you were to say to me, one day you're going to use one of the greatest songs ever in the history of Everness in a movie about Thor, the God of Thunder, that you'll be directing. I would have said, my friend, I know because I can see the future. As a young boy, I could see the future. I've lost that power. I've since lost that power. But I have a reverse power and I can see the past. I'll be honest, and I don't mean to take away from from this movie and how great it is, or from myself as a director, but I'm not sure if I'll watch this movie again after this director's commentary. I've seen it quite a few times, and um, I just know everything that happens. Oh, you've got it. You hope you concentrated on that, all that fire that went into that skull. So all the power of Serta is now in that skull. Boy, I hope you guys have seen this film before watching this commentary, because I'm about to spoil everything. Heimdall? Oh, it's not Heimdall. Heimdall's not... Where's Heimdall? I don't know, but look, there's Keith Urban, famous country singer. Um, that's Carl Urban. Carl Urban, not Urban. Urban. Um... He is a friend of mine from New Zealand. He's a um, great New Zealand actor. You would have seen him in other films that I'm not going to name check. Um, look at these props. I hate guns, but look at that. He's got these two guns. It's straight out of the comic book. That character, um, Scourge, if, you're, uh, if you'd like to know, is um, very famous in the comics. Um, and those two props that he's got there, they feature heavily in his storyline in the comics. Um, oh, this dragon. I've never never met before. I, uh, the first time I ever worked with that dragon was on uh, on the set, uh, but we are still good friends to this day. Um, I'm hoping to use her in a um, another film that I'm going to make um, soon. Um, Manchester by the Sea Part Two. Okay, here she comes, and kaboom! Things are about to get crazy. 
that um, hey, fun fact number seventy-eight. That shake weight is my shake weight. When I was doing Green, La- is it Green Lantern? Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds in New Orleans uh, at about midnight in my hotel room. I was watching infomercials and I brought that shake weight whilst doing that movie. Um, called DC Marvel crossover for you right there. Um, and now that thing is in the movie. Oh look, go Thor, go! That dragon's gonna get you. Um, guess what? The movie's called Thor. He's not gonna be eaten by that dragon. I can tell that right now. But what? Look at that cool transition. Thorag, Narok, the motion picture. And look at this. We go get. Oh no, too close! Oh, we're inside the logo. And this is one of my favourite moments of. Uh, of the opening. He slimed me. Um, that dragon, we went through about eight dragons um, before we got it right. People often say, oh, no animals were harmed. No earth animals were harmed making this movie. But yeah, we did kill a lot of dragons. Um, look out there, a little sneak peek of Asgard, which we're about to see. We're about to go into, into Asgard itself. Um, this is probably a great time to um, to tell you that uh, I've pretty much blocked out all of uh, all of my memories of shooting this film. So um, if you're expecting to get any incredible information out of me, like um, anecdotes or filmmaking tips, you have come to the wrong place. No, I don't think so. I think you'll I think you'll 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 discover some good stuff in this so we were working you know from a we were working from a great um with a great team um you know all the, the, the this is the third thor film and when i came into this experience um you know i had um i'd watched a lot of the marvel films and was a big fan of them and and it's essentially the same team as you know from the very first um iron man you know, still making these films, all the the EPs. Um, you know, Kevin Feige, um, Lou D'Esposito, Victoria Alonso, um, and we had um, a fantastic executive producer, um, Brad Winderbaum, working with me. I'm a trickster. Yes. So mischievous. Yes. Sorry about that time I turned you into a frog. It was a wonderful joke. It was indeed hilarious. <laughs> um, Anthony Hopkins in this scene I told him you are going to be playing Tom Hiddleston um, uh, playing you and he said oh okay good and he turned up in blue eyeliner um, Matt Damon I don't know if you guys recognize him from We Bought a Zoo that that's him uh, a little crossover there a little Marvel um, We Bought a Zoo crossover thing going on and that actor there, doing his very best impersonation of Chris, is Chris's brother, Luke Hemsworth. Um, so there's a little Westworld Thor crossover as well. Um, there's Sam Neill, um, one of my players from Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, so there's a little Wilder People, Taika Universe, Marvel Universe crossover. And that little blue kid was just um, a local little blue kid that we found. Um, hard to find a blue kid in Australia, that's for sure. Um, well, here you go. There's a play, a play within a film. Um, 
A lot of the sets that you'll see in this film um, were designed um, by our great production designers, Dan Hannah and Ra Vincent. Um, Ra has worked with me on What We Do in the Shadows, um, my vampire film, the brilliant designer, and Dan um, and both of those guys um, you know, were working with uh, Peter Jackson throughout all of the, um, the Rings uh, trilogies as well. So they've you know, got a great history of design and um, really know their stuff. Um, so you know, later on in the film, you'll see. Once you get to Sakaar, you'll see really where they came into their own with their with you know, with the design and construction of these incredible sets. A big shout out to them. And that actually in Sakaar is also where you'll see some of these amazing costumes by Mayes Rubeo. Um, it was a fantastic designer. That hammer, that hammer that he's tossing around like that, weighs five million tons. Um, that is how strong Chris is. I mean, even though you can't see his arms in this frame, you can feel them. You can still feel. Good God, look at them! Disgusting. Yes. Besides, I've been rather busy myself. Watching theatre. Well, board meetings and security council meetings. Are you really going to make me do it? Do what? <laughs> this uh, oh, this part here, um, I don't know who came up with this idea. Um, I've heard a lot of people take credit for this. Um, and although it's not my idea, I'm going to take credit for it too. But this is something they've been talking about for years, trying to do this moment where Thor's holding Loki and the hammer's zooming back towards them and he forces them to, to, to change back into himself. Hey, classic. Here comes Scourge. He's run all of that way down that bridge. He should have taken that Vespa that we uh, showed in that shot earlier. That's what I would have done. Just having a sip of coffee. Now, things really start heating up in Thor Ragnarok. You watch this. What's going to happen? Oh, I know. The brothers are going to have to team up and head to, you guessed it, Earth. Uh, New York. Great place. I've been there many times. That, I'm sorry to break the illusion, is not New York. We shot in there in Brisbane, in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, which is the closest you'll get to New York in Australia. Um, both geographically and also with uh, how it looks. Um, and these two, these two girls were, um, they actually were a couple of street kids. Sorry that Jane dumped you. But she didn't dump me, you know. I dumped her. It was a mutual dumping. What's this? What are you, what are you doing? This isn't me. One seven seven A Bleecker Street. Well, if you're a fan of Doctor Strange, um, which I am not, uh, you'll know that that is Doctor Strange's address. And now we're in Doctor Strange's house, the Sanctonium Centrarium, or whatever it's called. Um, no, I know what it's called, Sanctum Centorum. Um, and I'm lying. Doctor Strange is one of my favourite characters because Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kombucha, Kombucha Batch, a Batch of Kombucha is one of the greatest actors 
to have ever lived in Atlanta. He is one of my favourites. I love him. Um, and this was the first thing we shot, actually. We shot this eight or nine months, maybe eight months before we started principal photography on Thor. Um, we knew we wanted the scene, and um, Benedict was uh, shooting Doctor Strange in London. So we went across there with Chris, and we, we shot this scene. And um, it was my first time working with either of these guys, and um, yeah, especially with Chris. And it was at that moment, working with Chris, I knew I'm doomed. Take a seat. All of these little tricks are all in camera, you know, so it's not all about big, crazy special effects with CGI and, you know, and computer-generated things. It's, no, sometimes you can just do all of your stuff. Someone was just lying down on the floor there with that beer, just switched it over for him, and just out of shot. And you'll notice every time he transports to different parts of the room, it's just, it just, it, we just, we just did that in camera. Meaning, you know, there's no. Well, that's a special effect there, obviously. Beer doesn't do that traditionally. So if I were to tell you, unless I want it to. So watch this. Here we go. Oh no, wait. Oh wait. And oh, no. wait. Here we go. I'm wasting time here because there's this conversation. I mean, I got no more facts about. I mean, Benedict. What can I tell you about him? Um. He's got a strange symmetrical face, doesn't he? Very symmetrical. I'd like to do an experiment and just flop the shot and just to see. It does look exactly the same. And of course, behind him, all these little there are all these Easter eggs throughout the film, and uh, Easter eggs I've learned are not actually Easter eggs. They're um, look at that, all in camera. See. Sometimes you don't need a really huge budget to make a movie, unless you're making this movie. The um, the, you know, the Easter eggs are found out are little things from comics and from other films and stuff that are, you know, for the fans and people who know this universe, um, they'll see them and they'll say, "Oh, what? Yeah, did you see that they had the drinks tray of knowledge um, from uh, from this other you know comic run? Or did you see they had the?" Um, the mirror of disappointment from uh, Doctor Strange episode 16, um, episode issue. Um, so we, I'll be honest, if there are any Easter eggs in this movie, I would not really know what they are. Um, there are a couple here and there, you know, there's, um, once we get to Sakaar, but um, definitely I don't know anything about any Easter eggs in this scene. Tom uh, did that um, that stunt all by himself. Not. Now things are about to get really intense. Um, I don't want to like ruin it for you, but look at that! Whoa! Now they're in a field in Norway. Um, now I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but I'll tell you this: that is not Anthony Hopkins urinating off a cliff. He's just standing there, even though I know it looks a little bit like it. Um, not fun fact, this was not shot in Norway, this was shot in Atlanta, um, where they do not have cliffs like that, overlooking the ocean. But, you know, hey, see, it's, if I hadn't said that, would you know? Would you have known? Maybe. Um, this was a scene that we actually 
kind of ended up reshooting or do it, shooting a different way. I don't like saying reshooting, but this was part of the additional photography. And um, originally um, we had had Odin living in New York, and um, the boys went and found him in New York. But just for one reason or another, that didn't work out for the story we were telling. And... Um, we ended up redoing a lot of the scene here, and part of the reason we did redid this was, um, you know, we needed some expositional stuff. We needed a few different lines of dialogue to explain um, certain things, but mainly to explain Hella and who who she is, Kate's um, character who's about to come. Spoiler: Kate Blanchett's in the movie. No, oh, I've stopped Ragnarok. I put an end to Sosa. No, it's already begun. She's coming. So. This is usually the point where um, I run out of things to say in director's commentaries, but no, Thor Ragnarok is too special. This is the point where I ramp things up, where, I where things just get crazy, and I start telling you stuff that I've never told anyone, not about the movie, about myself. I have dreams and uh, nightmares, and sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats, just not knowing what, what am I doing with my life. Um, well, this is not really the time or place to tell you guys this stuff, so maybe I'll stick to the movie. But um, I just want you to know yeah, that even heroes like me, legends, absolute legends like me, you know, we're also tormented souls, you know. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of this creativity, you know, I think, comes from my torment um, and those, those nightmares and those cold sweats. I love you, my son. Um, the not that this is a great example of um, where we used a lot of concept art um, in, in visual development, but um, a big shout out has to go to Andy Park and um, and his team at Marvel for for a lot of the um, a lot of the drawings and, and, and conceptual art um, that we took as great inspiration for costume design and for set design and things like that. And you're about, about to see. Um, the villain of the film turning up and the costume and the look for her that was a huge huge part of that um has to go to andy park and also ryan um Minerding, who's um they are two great great painters two great artists um, who work at marvel and have worked there for a long time um we also had in this scene in particular one that um that was um storyboarded really well a lot of our um a lot of the scenes and definitely the action sequences in the film were storyboarded by Todd Harris and uh, Michael Jackson. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. You look in the credits at the end of the movie, you'll see the names Todd Harris and, yes, Michael Jackson. He was an incredible artist and, turns out, still is. Um... So this here is the introduction of one of my favourite people, not only as an actor but also as a villain, um, Kate Winslow, I mean uh, Blanchett. So she uh, she was one of the first people to sign on to this film. Um, yeah, I tricked her into doing it. Um, but such is my powers, uh, such are my powers of um, convincibility that um, just, she just took one look at me and said, I'm in, I'll do it, you're my hero. Um, this, all the suit and everything is loosely um, 
inspired by the comic, the suit that Hela wore in the comics, um, the weapons that she uses, for those Thor fans out there, I'm confirming right now, yes, they are um, based on Gore's uh, weapons from uh, the God of Thunder run. Um, Gore being the, um, the, uh, the, the, the dark, the god killer um, villain in that run. And this here is a very sad moment for people who like tools. Um, I bet there are a lot of builders out there, a lot of carpenters. Yep. Uh, hearts just broke right then. So a perfectly good hammer being crushed uh, by Kate Blanchett. And now we see her transforming into more of the classic Hala look. That's her headpiece there, the antlers, um, which. Let's be honest, would make it very hard to go through conventional doorways. Um, but luckily for Halla, she avoids doorways. Luckily in Asgard, doorways are very wide. So what's great about um, this film, I think, is just seeing Thor getting his ass kicked all the time. Um, you know, he's a very strong character, but we wanted to put him through his paces. We wanted to strip him down. Um, and, you know, just really, like, take him back to, you know, being powerless and, you know, having to go up against someone more formidable and dangerous than he's ever met. Now we see Hela absorbing her power from Asgard. She gets her power from Asgard, and now she's in her green suit, and this is the classic Hela look from the comics. The goddess of death is back in Asgard. I'm Hela. And so uh, those people that she just killed, um, the two of the warriors three, um, Fandral and Falstag, um, played by Zachary Levi and Ray Stevenson. Um, now we see the teaming up of the villain and her right-hand man. So Hela and Scourge. And Halla is now in Asgard. Well, stone me crows, mate. What is going to happen next? I'll tell you what's going to happen next. We're going to throw focus to the sword. Then we're going to boom up and crane in past the sword and into outer space. And zoom, zam, zing. Off we go through the cosmos. Um, and this is really where all the, the design stuff starts, starts really taking off, you know, with this new world that we find ourselves on, Sakaar. Now Sakaar is, um, you know, it's a, a, a sort of collection point, a meeting point for um, you know, a myriad of wormholes and, you know, it's like a dumping ground for the universe where you find you know, all the lost things, all the things that disappear in outer space will end up in wormholes somewhere along the line and a lot of it ends up here in Sakaar, so it's like a, a place where, it's like a giant junk planet and um, life is cheap and people um, people scavenge for whatever falls from the sky, these gifts from God and one of these gifts to the people of Sakaar is Thor. So Thor's now found himself here um, and this, all of this world we took a huge, huge amount of inspiration from Jack Kirby, the great artist, the king of comic art. Um, so this design here, that ship is a Kirby uh, spaceship. Um, 
and we made it that it, you know break, break up breaks up into these to these different um, shapes. There are other things, um, other little um, you know, I guess Kirby Easter eggs throughout the film, where you'll see certain designs or certain um, shapes and things like you know, for instance, um, later on someone has a um, uh, a gun, a laser rifle, which is actually um, uh, a, a space station that Kirby drew many years ago, and we took that design and turned it into a weapon. Um, so you find throughout this entire world, there's all these, uh, all this, all this Kirby art everywhere, and that made me really happy to to be bring his, um, yeah, his spirit and his um, his designs into the film, because I've been a huge fan of his ever since I was a kid, and it's really, you know, not only the shapes but also the colours as well, these vibrant colours and just these mixes of, um, you know, just cool, amazing, strong lines and bold colours. Now we have the introduction of the um, the most wonderful, wonderful character, Valkyrie, played by Tessa Thompson. And usually in these movies, you know, like these characters come in and they just kick everyone's ass and like they look really cool. And we wanted to do something different, where um, you know the introduction of this character was was. Um, really unpredictable and you know and, and we showed that she was you know that and also with this movie that it wasn't going to be the same as um you know as every other movie you know she falls off that gangplank you know she's a drinker she's um she is more of a uh a kind of renegade just like a you know a um she's found herself living in sakar somehow and one thing you'll find when we um, when we arrived in Sakaar, you know, the music changed quite a lot, and we introduced a lot more of these um, synthesizers, and um, yeah, it's more of a kind of electronic um, feel to, to to the soundtrack and to the compositions, and that is, um, you know, like all of that was was made by Mark Mothersbaugh, who's um, a great musician and composer who. Who, you know, when I um, first talked to him about doing this job, um, he, you know, said, "No, oh, you know, I want, I want these, you know, like old synthesizers and this kind of like really different feel, but also want to keep it, yeah, not too modern. I want it to feel like this kind of old, um, sort of these Jean-Michel Jarre kind of soundscapes, you know, and and, and when we get to Sakar, and, um, and so he went and pulled out all these old Moogs and stuff. One, you know, one um, synth that." Robert uh, Robert Moog had, had actually given to him many many years ago, and also all these different synthesizers and all this like um, cool electronic sound. It's all done on these old analog synths, and um, and and I, you know, it's one of my favorite part things of uh, of the the movie. One of my favorite elements of the movie is this music, um, and then we start weaving it together between you know between the Sakarian um, soundscape and the Asgardian music which is more traditionally a score we started interweaving them so you know throughout the film you know the Asgardian music might start sounding like it's got a few more synths in it as well and we start blending the two um, worlds together <sighs> okay now this scene here is Halla doing a long speech and then um, really showing her powers and just 
why I guess they called her the goddess of death. And this was something when when we were writing this, um, you know, we were talking to Eric Pearson, the writer, um, and um, and this is something that also that Craig Kyle and Chris Yost and um, Stephanie Folson, um, you know, they, they, everyone agreed and everyone like you know, right from the very beginning, you know, wanted to make her the most formidable villain that um, you know that we've ever seen, and definitely, most definitely, that Thor's ever encountered. And this was the scene here, really, where we wanted to show that, and um, and and I think we've done, yeah, you know, I think we've done that job. We've pulled that off. What she, um, what she, what the character does in the scene, it's um, yeah, something I, I really love seeing Kate do that. You know, seeing a female villain do this, but also, you know, something right from the beginning when I was talking to Kate about doing this role, she you know, had said, I would just love to do some cool action some fun things like you know i want to punch a few people and uh yeah and 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 we i think we've kind of gone further than that but um this um this whole scene all these amazing stunts and all this action was all choreographed by um ben cook who is our um, stunt coordinator and also our second unit director um and so now you'll see like where he's really come in and um and put his mark on this whole sequence. And of course, um, we mustn't ever forget uh, a lot of um, a lot of this great stunt work um, that we see Hala doing um, is also performed by um, the great Zoe Bell who um, is a New Zealand stunt woman. She's done a lot of work on Tarantino films. Um, you know, she's one of the best in the biz, and she came in and doubled Kate for a lot of the film. And so, yeah, some of these amazing moves that you see are performed by her, um, and she's a, a great friend and a, a great performer and a really great actor too. Um, now here we're about to um, see the demise of the third of the Warriors Three. Well, is he though? Is he is he one of the Warriors Three? He is one of the Warriors Three. Um, so this is um, this is Hogan, played by Taranobu Asano, who um, I've loved this guy for many years from afar. He's never known. I never just never felt brave enough to tell him from New Zealand. Um, and and again, you know, this is this is what Ragnarok is. It's the destruction of everything you've known and come to love. Um, you know, we've we got rid of the Warriors three within the first half an hour of the film. Um, all this mysterious figure, what's he doing? He's stolen the Bifrost sword. And now we find ourselves in outer space. And this is um, an audience favorite and a studio favorite. This little sequence, this um, this little. Ride his introduction to Sakaar, um, and we were very fortunate enough to um, to, to get this iconic piece of music. Um, I can't remember what it's called. That's how iconic it is. But it's from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, and uh, you know, if you've if you know that movie, then you'll know this bit of music. Gene Wilder. Love Gene Wilder. I'd say Chris. Chris Hemsworth is the Gene Wilder 
of Byron Bay in Australia. You are loved. And no one loves you more than the Grand Master. He is the original, the first lost and the first found, the creator of Sakaar and father of the Contest of Champions. Where once you were nothing, now you are something. You are the property of the Grand Master. Congratulations. You will meet the Grand Master in five seconds. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. You are now meeting the Grand Master. Oh, look. Him. Jeff Goldblum. So, Jeff Goblin is playing the Grandmaster. Jeff has become a very dear friend to me, and um, but not as dear as that person on the left there, Rachel House, who has been in most of my movies. She's in Eagle vs. Shark. She's in Boy, playing, um, playing the fantastic Auntie Gracie. And in Hunt for the Wilder People, she plays Paula, the uh, social welfare worker who's on... On the uh, on the hunt for Ricky Baker, um, and I love Rachel. I think she's just one of the most versatile actors. She plays the grandmother um, in in Moana, um, and she's really she's just so she's so good and consistent and funny. And um, and I'll keep trying to put her in all my movies. Hey, this lady. Just wait a damn minute. So. I don't know if you noticed that thing that is on Thor's neck, that tiny little coin-shaped thing, that thing there. It's called an obedience disc, and that comes from um, from the comics, from uh, the Planet Hulk uh, comics. And essentially what that does is, you know, it's like when Thor loses his hammer on Earth, you know, it takes away all his power and puts him on a more of a even playing field with everyone else on Sakaar. So um, not only does he not have his hammer, but he's also um, been rendered powerless by um, by this obedience disc, and so he's, you know, the grandmaster is able to control him. He can he can barely harness any lightning, um, just a few sparkles, and so it's re- so the whole point of this was really just to put him on the back foot, and um, you know, and so that because he's a god, he's a god of thunder, you know, it's very hard to um, to believe that he can be beaten in a fight, and so you know, it's it's more fun when you see a character like that. Um, you know, stripped down, and he's become more like everyone else. Um, this guy here, um, Stephen, who plays the um, the cousin, he is um, a really great um, comic actor from Australia, um, and I discovered him on a TV show called Black Comedy, which is an Aboriginal um, sketch comedy show. And um, he, yeah, he was part of some of my favourite sketches that I'd seen, and just invited him up to come and do this this small part. And if you look at the extras on the you know on the dvd there's a an extended version of the scene which um was so hilarious but um it just you know for time you just can't put everything you love into into a movie um and of course it's jeff goldblum so we're gonna have to get him to play music um so he was playing an actual keyboard throughout the scene uh, but then we changed the, the instrumentation and stuff um but he, uh, yeah, he, he this whole time that he was talking, there's a keyboard there that he would be tinkering around on during the scene. And then, oh, him. 
brother Loki. Loki, Loki. And a lot of these characters you'll see in the background there are taken from um, directly from Kirby's designs. You know, there are some, some some characters that we've really just pulled straight out of the comics and sort of done our own things too. Like, but but like all of those kind of designs, those, those crazy Aztec style helmets and stuff. Um, you know, all of that's like all all influenced by him. And this whole world, Sakaar, this was, yeah, this was our chance to really pay homage to Kirby and, um, and, and just really go there with all of these, all of these looks. Traditionally, the Grandmaster is blue, um, uh, but one of the fears were by making Jeff Goblin blue would be that people might think um, he was resurrecting his character from, um, from Earth Girls are easy. Hey, Spargles, here's the deal. If you want to get back to Ass Place, Asperg, as God, any contender who defeats. So we gave him a little strip, a little blue strip, which just hints at it. And sometimes all you need is a hint. Am I right? Now, we're about to meet probably the most popular character to ever grace the screens of a Marvel film. By grace, I do mean grace. So this other character here, this rock guy, um, his name is Korg, and he's played by Taika Waititi, who is um, one of the great, great New Zealand actors. Meek over there, um, he was performed by one of our stunt, um, our stuntmen, and who was an expert in wushu and all of these kind of amazing acrobatic um, fighting styles, and so. So there were just two of us there um, who were wearing these mocap suits, those fractal suits, which look really ridiculous. And um, and we, um, we were, every time I was directing in, in one of those suits, it felt more and more ridiculous. But um, I'm really happy now seeing the final product because if it was just me in, the, in those pajamas, it wouldn't be quite as impressive as 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 how Korg is in the film. And we wanted. Yeah, what we wanted from Korg and Korg, incidentally, and Meek, they both come from the Planet Hulk run as well. Um, what we wanted from Korg was just someone who would, you know, look intense and strong and um, and, and and formidable and like he might fight Thor, but to be just a real sweetheart. Um, we wanted him. To, you know, I based him a little bit on um, on the the bouncers in in Auckland um, at, at nightclubs in New Zealand. Polynesian bouncers who, you know, like huge, huge dudes, but they're the nicest people, you know, and they, they've got this really kind of just like beautiful light nature to them because, you know, they don't want to hurt anyone, even though they could um, break your neck um, with one hand. Um, and now this is, I really like the uh, the concept behind this, what, what you're about to see, where, you know, it's showing that, you know, what we think about Asgard and what we think of the history of Asgard is um it's all a charade 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 and oh look there's odin and thor partying with some girls and odin and laufey the um frost runner. is that i think it's uh, loki's dad um i wanted to show that all societies and all worlds and stuff you know they all have histories and you know and that you know, asgard's no exception they used to you know odin and hella Used to be the great conquerors of the um, of the cosmos, and they would go around, and you know, they would just 
conquer and take over these worlds and yeah that they would take you know, a lot of the resources that they would take you know came back to Asgard and that's how they built the palace and that's where all the gold came from and you know through one reason or another Odin changed his ways and you know and realized that you know peace was a way better thing to strive for but Hela who was brought up on the battlefield um and was a conqueror and was basically raised as a conqueror you know couldn't let that go and you know wanted to keep keep spreading their empire and keep conquering and keep taking worlds um and this is what i what i love about this or there that's a little easter egg for you um that gauntlet that bejeweled gauntlet which appeared in thor one and had a lot of the fans speculating as to why there was that gauntlet there we um we felt it was necessary to explain to everyone that it was a fake. And I like to think that Odin had that fake gauntlet in his um, weapons vault so that people of the universe would think that it was safe and that he had it. Whereas, as we now know from the other Avengers films and from everything we know about Thanos, that their true gauntlet is still out there. And the true Infinity Gems are still out there, waiting to be collected. And so, one of the criticisms that Hela has um, about Odin is that, you know, his secrets and her, the shame that he felt over her and all the, you know, the the, the conquering that they used to do. Um, one of his things is he would just keep covering things up, like that big mural. He'd cover it up with a, you know, with a sort of saccharine um, painting, you know, of like with with parties and and tea parties and garden parties and and peace treaties. Whereas the real Asgard, as Hella would put it, lies beneath, and um, you know, so beneath the floor of the weapons vault, this is where he stored Hella's old army. Um, who she now brings back to life with the eternal flame um, and one of the great um, one of the great allies to Hela is the wolf Fenris who um, of course comes from the comics this is a nice scene one of the um, one of the things we focused on a lot in this film was was really developing that arc between Thor and Loki. We really wanted to make sure that what they had been through throughout the other films, um, you know, that it would really it would really pay off. And you know, they've got they've had such a complex relationship over those those films that we wanted to um, to develop it further. And and by the end of the film. You know, make that a really satisfying thing to have gone along that journey over so long, um, and and I think that, that that's one of the big parts of this film is is it is really the story of Loki and Thor and them reaching some understanding and them reaching some sort of uh, resolution. She's stronger than you. You don't stand a chance. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I like to think that um, those those little bits of graffiti back there, are, um, are like just 
normal messages that you'd see in toilets on earth things like Barry sucks and for a good for a good time call 0216633 um I think the art department did a great job there of making all those symbols and stuff because it does it's absolutely says to me those are alien alien writings look at that it's like little crop circles there maybe that's what crop circles are they're just aliens that have come to earth and just tagged fields just say like we came here it was just a boring wheat field so we went back into outer space. He's freaking gone. Stephen and Zorg were here. 2017. Oh, yuck. There's still someone's hair and blood all over this. Guys, can you clean up the weapons? Chris and I had a good time um, improvising a lot, ad-libbing, and um, uh, this scene here, we, uh, you know, we did a lot of stuff with this scene. And... Um, went through all these different weapons and you know we really we had a lot of fun doing that and I think that's what um, you know what gives this film a certain flavour is you know a lot of the time we would um, just allow ourselves and allow the, the other actors to, to ad-lib a lot and to come up with ideas on the spot and um, and just to be a bit more playful and this whole scene here developed over a couple of weeks before we shot it and Chris and Eric got together and wrote this stuff about you know this hammer pulling this hammer off and all this kind of ridiculous stuff which I never thought would even be in the movie but um I mean you know it's in, a, it's in the movie um but that's what's I think what makes the film great it's like it it can go from a reverence like that and then into something serious like this, you know him trying to get home back to Asgard and learning about Valkyrie and then the sort of swings between humor and drama all the time um, that little move she does with that beer bottle was um, a little homage to to um, to Once Warriors. This is a great New Zealand film where Beth Hecke opens all the beer bottles with a fish slice. My God, you're a Valkyrie. I designed that um, that tattoo. Women, there's nothing wrong with women, of course. I love women, and I'm going to get it on my face after this commentary. Respectful appreciation. I think it's great that there is a that uh, little robot there is called Beerbot 2000, Beerbot 5000, Beerbot 5000, and believe it or not, that is um, played by someone in a mocap suit, um, and uh, his name is Hamish, and he was in Hunt for the Wilder People. He's a really funny guy. He's a comedian from back home, from back in New Zealand, um, and we turned him into a robot. And no one escapes this place. Here comes one of my favourite shots of the movie. It is this one. Oh, cameo alert. Now don't you move. My hands aren't as steady as they... Stanley. Um, I think this is one of the funniest of all the Stanley cameos. The wrath of the mighty Thor. <laughs> so good and he was such a trooper he um he came in and he's a natural the guy's just so good he um he was just so funny and and um he's just a real presence and I was really like awestruck when I met him it was one of one of my big um you know celebrity starstruck moments 
meeting Stan Lee. Please, I'm your host. Big round of applause for all of our... So now we have Valkyrie turning up in her spaceship, The War Song, um, which, uh, which is a name taken from a poem about the Valkyrie. Um, usually in the comics, she would have a flying horse called Aragorn. Um, fun fact, 2721, uh, the, um, the big mural in the back of this is an actual piece of um, Jack Kirby art. Fun fact, 3022, um, Chris has had a haircut. I thought it was a great idea to give Chris a haircut. I think part of it for him was he was just sick of wearing a, a wig all the time. But um, I actually think it's, uh, again, this whole idea of like reinventing everything. It's, um, it's really great for that character. He looks way better, I think. And if you look at the sides of his head, one side is an N, the other side is like a Z or a Z. What does that spell? N-Z or N-Z, New Zealand. It's like Chris like did a little homage to me. It's like a little, it's like he was just tipping his cap to me. That's how much he loves me. Uh, yeah, Thor's wearing his helmet. There you go, fans, you've been asking for years. You got it. He gave it to you. Oh, do you see that guy? There's a three-headed guy in that prison cell there. And um, you only get a few glimpses of him now and then. But whenever you see him, there's three heads looking looking at you. No, yeah, not this guy. But those three heads, the one on the far right. Yes. That's my face. So... A spoiler alert, The Incredible Hulk is in this movie. don't know if you guys were aware of that, but there he is. And The Incredible Hulk, obviously, is played by Bruce Banner. Correct. Um, he's an amazing actor. Um, and, yes, we all know, it's Mark Ruffalo. Now, Mark did uh, all this mocap himself. So this is, you know, this is mainly Mark here, just doing all this sort of expressions and everything, and um, and all the you know, all that action stuff, all that that movement stuff. He does all those little nuances, all those little kind of character things. We all get picked up when you do motion capture, and um, and so you essentially you are seeing the actor, um, except that he's now, you know, nine or ten feet tall and green. Um, and the uh, oh, fun fact: six hundred thirty-four thousand twenty-two. Um, he's a friend from work. Was um, actually n- not a line that either of us came up with or anyone on the film. It was actually a line from um, from a kid who came to visit set. Um, he was, um, I guess, it was like the Winter Wish. Um, foundation you know where they give set visits to you know to kids and stuff and so the line um he's a friend from work was actually given to us by a kid who was visiting set and um he was hanging out with chris all day and um and we were about to go and do another take and then he whispers to chris he goes hey you know what you should say when you see the incredible hulk she used to say he's a friend from work and 
and he did and it became this huge thing and now it's on tra- on t-shirts and everything on posters and it's in the trailer um so full credit to that to that kid and talking about kids this is my kid if you hear yeah if you hear a little voice throughout some of this this is matewa my daughter who's just come to help me out for a little bit how are you doing good what is that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, do you know who that is? That's Incredible Hulk. Sounds good. Look, there's Uncle Chris. And there's Uncle Hulk. He's like Hulk Smash. Um, oh, there you go. The ragdoll moment, which uh, is another fan favourite. Of course, it happened to Loki in Avengers 1. And then, um, and then we had to do it to Thor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The hot smash. Yeah, the hot smash. Hulk smash. Um. Uh oh. Yeah. Be gentle. Be gentle. Yeah. That's why. I know you're in there, Banner. I'll get you out. Yeah. He's angry, eh? Uh oh. So being angry. Yeah, he's really angry. Um, because what we tried to do in this. Yes. Well, yeah, was we um. speak. Mhm. Wanted to show, you know, this idea of Hulk and Thor fighting has been a big of debate for many years yes for all the um all the fans and so he was always online you know on the blogs and stuff there was like ah oh, who would win in a fight between hulk and thor um and so we yeah we put them together and we made them have this big fight and i wanted to show that thor because everyone's like oh hulk's the strongest thing in the universe but thor's a god and they're both i think are equally as strong as each other and plus Thor's got lightning. Uh oh. Wow. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hulk's in trouble. Oh, here we go. Electric man. Captain Electric. What do you think's going to happen here, Bubba? It's a big part. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's Hulk Smash. Yeah. Very angry. Yeah, Hulk Smash very angry. Thunder, thunder. He's for dead. Yeah. Ooh. Uh-oh. Yep, uh-oh. There's a lot of uh-oh moments in this film. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, um... Oh, look, he goes, oh, you just missed me. You just missed my little face there. Um... She's a little... I should look at it. Uh-oh. Oh, my gosh. Amazing, eh? 
Scary. Uh-oh, he's coming another one. Mm-hmm. Oh, another one. The, um... Did I tell you, Matua, that, um... Lot of this, the design here is all really all that's all like Ra Vincent and 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 Look, Dan Henna. It says, "Oh my gosh!" Oh my gosh! There's. I want to look at this one. What one? My my grown up one. We're going to see the grown up one. Yeah. You want to go and see something else? But mainly yeah, something else. <laughs> Okay, so I'm back now, and um, she, uh, Matua is gone now. She went to see something else. She uh, she wasn't really interested in this film. Um, but uh, I was going to comment just then on uh, Gungnir. Did you guys see Gungnir, which is Odin's spear, just behind Hela in that seat? Well, I think Gungnir is going to make a reappearance later on in the movie. That sword is the key to opening the Bifrost. That sword is the key to opening the Bifrost, and um, we're about to find out who actually has it. Who are those thieves? It's not them. They don't have the sword. Look at this beautiful forest. This is all, all Australia. We achieved so many of these different looks in Australia, and um, I must say, working at that studio there, Whoa-ho-ho-ho! Who is this? Bob Marley. Excuse me. So Idris calls me up. He goes, "Right, mate. Yeah, I think I've got a. Uh, you know, what do you think we should do with the hair on this one?" I was like, "I don't know. What do you think?" He's like, "Well, about dreadlocks." And um, I like to think that Idris, um, that Heimdall has been living in the forest after being. Um, after being banished by, um, well not banished, after being arrested by Odin in Thor 2 and he somehow, he escaped and um, didn't turn up for his trial and he's been living up here in the in the forest um, this entire time and uh, he's been um, he's been waiting for it all to go down because I think he could tell, I like to think he could tell that Hela was on her way back and so he went up there and he opened up the old stronghold from the old days where he would look after all the Asgardians who are on the run and here they all are living up here in this giant what do you call this stronghold a stronghold oh look look at these nurses or these women nursing nursing Thor back to health you like to hear fun fact Eight thousand twenty-four million and eighty-two. Two of those nurses, uh, um, played by mine and Chris's wives, Elsa and Chelsea. Obligatory um, torso and arm shot there. I will have you know that Chris wasn't planning on doing any topless scenes in this film and I, as a representative 
of the audience, I said to him, you have to. What is the point of doing all that work and training so hard if you're not going to show that off? I said, Chris, you get out there, dude, and you show it off. And um, I would like to um, acknowledge myself and Chris's body for those extra ticket sales that have occurred because of those shots. Winning. You mean cheating, huh? Were they wearing one of these? Only one? How'd you arrive here? Look how good Hulk looks. He looks like General Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. Doesn't he? Does he? You're not answering. Okay, well this here was not my idea. Hey, you're back! Queenjet. Getting us out of here. It's a terrible, awful place. You're gonna love Asgard. It's, it's big, it's golden, shiny. Hulkster. No, no, no. My, my people need me to get back to Asgard. We must prevent Ragnarok. Ragnarok? The prophesied death of my homeworld. The end of days. It's the end of everything. <sighs> if you help me get back to Asgard, I can help you get back to Earth. Huh? Earth is what have you been doing today? I love you. You were one of the Avengers, one of the team, one of our friends. Anything? You're not to anything? What do two-year-olds get up to in LA? Hmm? What do two-year-olds get up to? Do you have fun? Do you do fun things? Look at Thor and Hulk. You know, just when you were last here, they were having a big fight. Now they're talking it out. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Didn't smash anything. I, I won that fight. You want to go see the grown-ups? Well, that's insulting. What? Bye. Um. Okay. Well, she's gone. Again. God, they're fickle, aren't they? Um. Where was I? Well, I was trying to explain to my daughter that, you know, we'd seen Hulk and Thor having a big argument, a, a big fight. Then they were trying to talk it out, trying to talk through their differences. Of course, it ended in an argue, another argument. But talking is way better than fighting. And I think that's one of the big messages of Thor. Um, and one of the messages I'm trying to instill into my two-year-old. You know, it's like, sure, we can try and you know, sort it out with our fists. But why don't we try and sort it out with our voices and our ideas and our understanding? First and foremost. And if that doesn't work, then with our fists. To help me. Help me see. So, now, have you worked out what's going on? Thor is using Heimdall's eyes and Heimdall's magic to transport back to Asgard. Not physically, but in a sort of... Uh, it's, he's a sort of an illusion. He's sort of like his spirit has kind of gone back there. So he can see what's going on and see the effects of Hela's occupation of Asgard. Um, but he's not actually there, so he's still trapped in Sakaar. This is when we find out that they've got to get... They've got to get rid of Hela or 
They've got to get everyone off Asgard because she will grow more and more powerful the longer she's on Asgard and she'll eventually start taking over other worlds and no one in the cosmos will be safe. Wow, I didn't realise that shot was the colour of the American flag. Also the French flag. Also the British flag. And the New Zealand flag and the Australian flag. A lot of flags use red, white and blue. Okay, you guys? So when, you're talking, when people are talking about red, white and blue, it's not just the American flag. Now this uh, costume there, this uh, wardrobe that Hulk is wearing, um, is a sort of... It's kind of a... What do you call this? A sort of Tibetan influence? Um, that is also from a um, from uh, from a comic. This from you know taken from some some comic art, and we just like the idea of him just having clothes, you know, different things. Where like he's a hero here on Sakaar, and people have designed stuff for him. Uh, you know, this bed, this giant bed, which um, which 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 Ra Vincent designed. Um, you know, like all of the stuff. You know, it's all for him, um, and he's he's made quite the life here on Sakaar, and. You can understand, I think, why he doesn't want to go home. You know, he's, he's a hero here. Um, he's a champion, and the crowds celebrate him, and on Earth, people run from him. Literally, that two-year-old that was in here before, or, or my five-year-old who's at school, I've had this conversation with them. Me being four, and them being the Hulk. No, sorry, I just get so angry all the time. Oh, sorry, Dad, I just get so angry all the time. We're the same, you and I, but just a couple of hot-headed fools. Yeah, shame. Hulk like fire, Thor mm. like water. Mm. Well, kind of both like fire. But Hulk like real fire. Hulk like raging fire. Thor like smoldering fire. <laughs> Hulk, I need you to do something for me. This here, another great wide shot of the Hulk suite. This beautiful Kirby, Kirby design. All these lines and these patterns. You're so thick-headed that you can't tell when someone's hiding all the way across the universe and wants to be left alone. We need to talk. No, you want to talk to me. I need her to stay. This was one of the first scenes we shot. Um, this was actually Tessa's first day um, on the film. And she had, um, you know, she's American. I'm not sure if you guys know that. She's American. And, um, you know, I think, you know, she did a really great job of um, her accent and just coming in, you know, you know, like we'd been shooting for a couple of, of weeks, but this was her first her first scene it was a really big scene and it was an emotional scene and it had a lot of a lot of dialogue um but she just walked in put her stamp on everything and just you know she said here i am and blew everyone away she was such a good actor and she um you know she really owned completely owned that character and she owns the scene one thing we really wanted to have fun with was this idea of 
Um, we're kind of one of make fun of, of all these movies where people are talking about getting a team together. You know, it's oh, getting the team together. We're gonna, oh yeah, I'm gonna get these. Yeah, and just Thor, having been to the Avengers, you know, is obsessed with this idea of of inspiring people by getting the team together, and he's always trying to make the team. And later on, when we see the Avengers thing, um, you know, that's uh, I think it pays off so well. But um, but there's so many little things that throughout throughout the film, especially for Chris, and he's so good at, at what he does, and he's so good at um, making fun of himself. Um, that you know, that, that all that all those little jokes and stuff that we've spread throughout the thing, they're all very irreverent and um, and often try and subvert this idea of like you know, of what we've become used to in these superhero movies and um but Chris is like a legitimately funny actor and all those things that we've come to expect from these kind of heroes he managed to um to play the opposite in this in this film and a classic example of that is right here obviously I choose to run toward my problems and not away from them. That's what. Um, and again, you have it, you know, just for the way he jumps up and, you know, he's straight back into it. Is that kind of bravado that you come to love from heroes. And when I first come into the, do this film, um, I, you know, been talking to, to Marvel and we all agreed that, you know, that, that Thor needed a little bit of an overhaul and he needed to, to be that kind of fun hero that we wanted to, to to follow on the journey and you know I don't think you can do that when your heroes are just super earnest and and serious and um, you know and 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 Chris really he really managed to um, to completely change Thor in a way where he retains some of that old obviously the Asgardian presence but you know, the, the character's been on Earth for a couple of years, he's hung out with Tony Stark, he knows sarcasm, he knows irony, and, you know, it's a lot of, and, and that's, I think we've done a really good job of making him, making Thor the best character in the film. Access denied. Strongest Avenger. Access denied. Damn you, Stark. Point Break. Welcome, Point Break. Point Break, obviously... Reference to Avengers. What happens here? This is actually one of the, one of the, the moments in the film that I love the most and that I'm most proud of, and um, and that's this this transformation. The fact that he's, you know, that he is in conflict with Banner. And banners in conflict with Bruce, and they're both fighting over this body. And, that, you know, and, and this is a kind of um, almost like altered states, almost like that moment when um, William Hurt is is changing. Um, and so this is a really emotional moment here. Like you see, just like the two of them battling it out. And I know that you know there's a little bit more of that. Um, that conflict and that um, duality um, that's going to evolve with, between Banner and the Hulk in upcoming movies. That's it, breathe. I won't hurt you. 
Of course, there's Mark Ruffalo. Oh, that creepy old man cut it off. It looks good. Oh, thanks. Where are we? Oh, how's Ned? Oh, uh, Ned is as good as you sure. okay? And what about Sokovia? Sokovia. It's the city, Sokovia. Did we save it? And these two work so great together. It's two years ago. What are you saying? Well, huh? I've been a hawk for two years. They're really, um, one of my, one of my, one of the things I was looking at when I first um, came on was, uh, so I wanted to use as a bit of inspiration was with Nail and I. Um, it's a great British film um, that uh, with Richard E. Grant and um, just with the idea, you know, when they when when Marvel first said, "Oh, it's like a kind of yeah, it might be a little bit like a road trip, a buddy flick," you know, I want to get these characters together. Look at that cool shot. Um, they, and I, you know, there's something I was I was had in, in my mind was this one of the great. British comedies about this, these two actors who are out in the country and um, on a holiday, and you know what I really wanted from Chris and Mark was just to have, like these two guys, and they're not and they're not at all like those personalities from that film, but but you know when I feel like this film just shifts into a whole new gear when Mark comes into it because he's so fun and he's he's so great to watch, and with him and Chris coupled together. Like that's, I feel like the whole film just like the energy picks up and it just turns into this whole other thing, and just the the way that they would ad lib together and the way that they would um, would do these scenes. We've got very very long takes that never made it into the film, where they would just riff off each other and just and just go for it. And they, um, yeah, there's sort of like seven or eight minute takes where they're just talking and talking and talking, and and some of that stuff is some of the greatest um, comedy and greatest acting I've seen. Um, in a long time. I'm upset. And that shot there, obviously the greatest shot in the history of cinema, um, designed by Todd Harris, our storyboard artist. And he, um, yeah, even then, when he when he came in with that shot of of, of Valkyrie and and Loki entering, and the camera sweeps over the top of them, and then we look into the reflection of the floor and see the Grandmaster coming down. Um, even when he presented that shot to us, he said, "I think this is the greatest shot in the history of cinema." And so now that's what is how we know that's where that's the that's what we've come to affectionately call that that crazy shot. This here is another moment when uh, Jeff managed to um, ad lib for you know for a good four or five minutes um, on a few different things, and just you know for pacing reasons, we couldn't put it in the final movie, but it will be an extra scene but he's just um when he's on fire and he's just going for it it's 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 quite amazing it's quite amazing to see this guy what have you done i don't answer to you lucky it's loki and you will answer to the grandmaster oh. why would you help my brother escape with that green floor i don't help anyone these guys duking it out valkyrie and loki the um, the thing that's about to come up though is is something so amazing, and it's never been done in film before. And this flashback, it's uh, what I'm talking about is this flashback. I'm not talking about flashbacks. I know flashbacks have been done in film before, but the style of lighting um, in this uh, this lighting effect in this in this little flashback here was designed and invented by um, two friends of mine I went to school with, um, Carlo van der Rohe and Stu Rutherford. And Stu Rutherford actually. Um, fun fact, 
five million. Uh, Stu Rutherford plays um, Stu in What We Do in the Shadows, and um, they've both been childhood friends of mine. And they invented this almost like bullet time lighting, where you set up an array of lights, you know, like over a hundred lights. Um, they're all strobes, so they're all going to flash once or twice. Um, they all set off, they all go off one after e- one after each other, and um, in quick succession. And the whole thing happens, you know, in less than a second. And then you film those those little bits of footage with a very high speed camera. So instead of like the camera wrapping around like in the Matrix, it's the lights that are wrapping around. So it casts these huge, huge shadows everywhere across the walls. And it's an effect that um, that can only be achieved by setting up the lights that way um, and yeah I'm really proud of those guys and I'm really stoked that I managed to get that in the film my brain can handle the information the whole thing is totally different we have a uh, classic Nagel 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 um, illustration on um, on Banner's t-shirt which actually happens to be Tony Stark's t-shirt so Banner's now wearing Tony Stark's clothes and um I love that image of just the sky on a Duran Duran t-shirt on uh, you know on an alien planet and a sort of 80s suit jacket and Thor and a, and a space viking. I mean, how much more fun can a movie get? Okay, that is so wrong on so many. I don't want to answer about 84 percent more fun because it just keeps going. More beings. I'm sick of it. I just told you, if I turn into the Hulk, I am never going to come back again. No, and you don't care. No, no, no. I'm putting together the team. The Hulk is the fire. Wait, you're just using me to get to the Hulk. What? It's gross. What? No, no. You don't I, care about me. You're not my friend. No, I don't even like the Hulk. He's no. all like, smash, smash, smash. I, I prefer you. Thanks. But if I'm being honest, when it comes to fighting evil beings, he is very powerful. I'm currently looking through the window of this recording booth at my daughter, who is playing. He's trying to steal a phone from um, from the technician. Someone needs to supervise that child. Maybe the technician can just supervise her. I'll be Tony Stark. Yeah. And now the look is complete. Bruce Banner and as Tony Stark. Tony Stark and the gyp- and a gypsy. What are you doing? Stop doing Tony wears his pants super tight. Stop Sorry. Why are you being so weird? I don't know. I really wanted to make fun of Tony Stark's clothes because I think some in some of those movies they 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 seem really funny to me. Some of the funny T-shirt designs and like funky, trendy clothes that are. Uh, that he always wears. Uh-oh, trying to keep your mind off the Incredible Hulk. Uh, bad move, we just walked into a Hulk festival. We, um, we had a lot of um, interns working on the film and the art department making all of these Hulk masks and um, Hulk banners and everything, and um, a lot of them were from the local Aboriginal community um, who came in, and we wanted to give them the chance to come and work on a film and to see what it's like on, you know, on film sets. Because when I was growing up in New Zealand, I'd you know, never been on a film set before, and um, I think having any of those experiences when you're young can, um, can, you know, can really inspire you and 
can change your life. So, um, but they they did really well, and some of them con- continued to work for the art department and um, you know they managed to get jobs out of, out of this experience. Yeah, it looks nice. I like what you did with it. Change it. Washed it, maybe. These two made this up on the day. This. Uh, was all the stuff about you know this all this flirtatious stuff was all just made up on the spot. Who is this guy? And I think I like to think it makes it this a little bit more genuine. Look, this is one of the great moments in cinema, right here. This shot and this shot. And as a filmmaker, I don't mind telling you that something this simple. Sometimes all you need, you don't need fancy camera moves. Just lock it off and have them stare as close to the barrel as possible. And say the damn lines. The revenge's line. Um, that was something that came up on the day. I think Chris. I think Chris. Maybe was, I think Chris said it was his idea. I don't know. I feel like I had a big part of that. I'm sure other people have had, have said the revengers instead of avengers. So look, let's just all take credit for it. Um, I've got a peace offering. I definitely invented vertical sliding doors, though. I'll tell you that. Classic. Sad to be sure. And behind Banner there is a an alien trash can. So, last time I saw you, you were trying to kill everybody. Where are you at these days? It varies from moment to moment. Is that a dragon fang? So, dragon fang is the famed sword of the Valkyrie, and it is famed, and it is from the comics, and is her, uh, her famous magical sword. Eighteen months. Nope. We will see later on in the film. It will be used in the Devil's Anus, and here's another. I mean, I they. I mean, the Devil. Who would have thought we'd make a movie with the Devil's Anus in it? Are oh, you want a coffee? Okay, well, this is... Come on. Oh, I'd love coffee. Um, love coffee. Um, you don't drink coffee. I don't need... I need to tell everyone here that you don't drink coffee. Do you drink coffee? Yeah. No, you don't. They don't. She doesn't. She doesn't, you guys. She doesn't drink coffee. If you want. I don't drink coffee. No, you don't. You have some water. No. You don't drink coffee. Now everyone thinks you drink coffee. You, they think that you, it's a normal thing, and now that I'm just... You, you, I'm want, just, you, want, you want coffee? I want coffee, yeah. Heavens no. I run out of favour with the ground. Jeez, Valkyrie lives like a slob, doesn't she, guys? I'm asking for safe passage through the anus. You're telling us that you can get us access into the garage without setting off any alarms? Yes, brother. We tried to fill up this um, film with lots of these little stories that Chris was about to, to tell. These, um, just these little anecdotes about him and Loki and uh, times that Loki's tried to kill him. And so we actually, we, throughout the film, we actually got a lot of these little things, um, which which I personally love. I just love, just love, or like just also for their relationship. I think it's just really funny that ever since they were like seven, they've been trying to kill each other. But because they're gods, obviously, you know. We're going to start a revolution. Revolution? I'll explain later. Who's this guy again? I'll explain later. Is that some sort of protoplasm or stuff? Oh, these little eggs, these little eggs beneath Meek. 
I like to think that one day they will grow into other meeks. I'm looking for Korg. Who's asking? Well, I know you're asking. Just, just, is there anyone else asking, or is it just you? The Lord of Thunder sends his best. We shot another revolution scene after this where Korg is trying to organise his uh, his revolutionaries, and uh, they're all in the weapons vault choosing weapons, and it's just going awfully, and it just becomes really apparent that Korg has no idea how to run a revolution, and... Um, He's actually not a not a, a natural born leader. Unlike me, unlike me, I I think I am a great leader. But a lot of leadership qualities, like a lot of qualities that you'd want in a leader, like um, fun. I like long walks on the beach, um, and um, and I like to sleep all the time. Hello. Hi. Fans love this moment. The brothers together again, fighting side by side. It was actually really, you know, a very satisfying part of the story. It's seeing this, this brother, these two brothers, finally working together. You might as well be strangers now. Two sons of the crown, set adrift. Oh. Thought you didn't want to talk about it. Here's the thing. I'm probably better off staying here on Sakaar. That's exactly what I was thinking. Did you just agree with me? Come on, this place is perfect for you. It's savage, chaotic, lawless. Brother, you're going to do great here. Spoiler, this was not shot in an elevator. On another planet. Loki, I thought the world of you. I thought we were going to fight side by side forever, but at the end of the day, you're you and I'm me. And I don't know, maybe they're still good in you, but... Fun fact. Number seven. Chris and Tom are not actual brothers. Um, they're actually from different countries, in fact. Although you'd never know it because they look exactly the same, don't they? They look like twins. Hey, let's do get help. What? Get help? No. Come on, you love it. I hate it. It's great. It works every time. How are you guys enjoying this director's commentary so far? We are not doing get help. I looked through the window and one person gave me a thumbs up. Another one has two. Two people so far. Enjoying it. Okay, the Commodore. Look at that cool ship. Okay, so the colouring of that ship, I'll tell you right now, is inspired by the Aboriginal flag. So it's red, yellow and black. And... Um, Maybe in Australia, I was really struck by the culture there and like, you know, by a lot of those things. And I thought, you know what? Let's make the hero spaceship in this movie the colour of the original people from Australia, the colour of their flag. And um, yeah, so when you see this thing flying through, it's like this. It's like the. the it's it's like they're, they're escaping from Sakaar in the Aboriginal flag and they made me very proud to have those colours there and um, many people know that the colouring of uh, Valkyrie's ship they are the colours of the Māori flag uh, the native peoples of New Zealand um, you know nothing political just cool 
And all of the spaceships in this film are all named. This is called the Commodore. The uh, there's another great big spaceship that uh, that you'll that features later on. That's called the Statesman. And all these other spaceships that join the the um, in this big Sakarian chase. Uh, there's a Tirana. There's an Escort. There's the um, Kingswood. And these are all names of um, of Holdens, Holden cars, um, which are Australian New Zealand cars, and these are yeah, they're, so they're all um, yeah, they're all they're all named after the great Australian and New Zealand um, vehicles of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I'm particularly proud of the interior of the Commodore with all the orange, all these bold colours and lines. I mean, that is. That just says 70s lounge suite in, in the form of a, of a spaceship to me. It's actually a deleted scene. In the back there, you see this orange and white door. Beyond that is a, um, a sort of dining room set um, with a big round table. There's drinks cabinets and stuff, and again, it looks like a 70s lounge room, um, or 70s dining room, and um, just for length, we got rid of that scene, but the um, but in the uh, deleted scenes, the, 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 we'll probably include that scene, and you'll see just how great the the, you know, the rest of that set is, and I just love the idea of them escaping from this planet in a luxury vehicle, in a vehicle designed really just for like parties, and... Um, and, and drinking. And orgies. I should probably not help. Yeah, take the wheel. No, I don't know how to fly one of these. Are you a scientist? Use one of your PhDs. None of them are for flying alien spaceships! Now we see Thor and Valkyrie bouncing around these spaceships, blowing them up. And if you will, it's sort of like a mating dance of the... Uh, these two, these two characters, uh, sort of courtship. They're like two animals impressing each other with the skills and with their peacocking. And this is cool. Like two gods jumping around destroying spaceships. I think that's pretty awesome. Come on, there's got to be a gun on this thing. That looks like a gun. I would like to release the It's My Birthday song as its own special, uh, special hit, special, a special um, individual song. I think instead of Happy Birthday, people could sing It's My Birthday instead. Easier. Because for Happy Birthday, you, can't, you need other people to sing that for you. With It's My Birthday, you can just do it by yourself, for yourself. Now we're about to take you into the devil's anus. Um, oh look, there you go. There, look, look, Harjo, that guy over there with the three heads. See the guy on the right, the head on the right. That's my face. So a lot of these guys, a lot of these uh, gladiators, are named after friends of mine. Um, that guy there, the three-headed guy, is called Harjo. 
there's a um, he's named after my friend Sterling Harjo um, there's another character in there um, the one with a sort of pancake face called Tazba she's named after my friend Tazba she does not have a pancake face um, there's another one called um, uh, Ishashi which is named after my friend Bird uh, yeah, so yeah, and there's more. There's more. I'm not going to keep naming them all because we're in a wormhole and we're going to Asgard. Asgardians, some misguided soul has stolen the Bifrost sword. Tell us where it is. Sometimes when I think about this film and all the things that are in it, I feel like if, if you were to tell people about this, they wouldn't believe that this is actually a movie. Yeah, no, it's got this woman with antlers in it and a giant wolf and uh, this big angry green guy, a space viking, this guy with these weird triangles on his head, um, zombie army, magical swords. I mean, you name it, we put it in the movie. Don't do it, Scourge. That's what I'd be yelling out if I was in the crowd. Come on, Scourge, don't do it. Well, Executioner. Right. Right. Oh, thank goodness someone stopped him. I know where the sword is. Now, leave Sakaar behind, and we have found ourselves back with our heroes in Asgard. in all its glory. I never thought I'd be back here. That'd be a lot nicer. I mean, not, not that it's that nice, it's just, it's, it's on fire. That pipe organ house is very tall, isn't it? People clustered together. I hope they have elevators in there. Well, maybe not, maybe that's why Asgardian thighs and calves are so muscular and strong. Have to walk everywhere. I have a man on the ground. Asgard. There's two girls from the beginning. Do you remember them, everyone? Do you remember? They were in the uh, observatory with Scourge. Gone. I'll take it from here. I found uh, this in the armory. Good luck. I like how considerate Thor is. I'm eating a carrot right now as I talk to you. Don't I like think I like the fact that Thor. You know what I mean. He was thinking about Valkyrie. He decided to go off and not only get a weapon, go get some clothes for her as well to inspire her. 
give her a sense of of place. Help her get her identity back. She's been running from the truth and running from her past. He's just given her an opportunity to embrace it, to acknowledge who she is. She's a Valkyrie, an elite warrior of Asgard. Holy cow. How that is so powerful. She just tore that mountain apart and made a bridge out of these two doors. But slightly too late. They went out the back door down there. Do you see that? Just in the nick of time. Keep going, Asgardians. Keep going. You can tell they're exhausted, those poor Asgardians. They've been through hell. The entire world is under siege. Uh-oh. That's right. The Valkyrie. In full form. See those little griffin things on the side there? They remind me of... Those things in Ghostbusters. In this shot here, all of this, look how great this set looks. Um, look at those two things remind me of, sort of giraffe, I like to call them giraffe wolves. Those things, those other tall, sort of skinny necked things on, on the sides there around that big circle. This big, this, but a lot of the set extension and stuff, and like, so, a lot of the reason so much of. Uh, so many of these shots and like so many of these worlds look so good. Um, it's just the integration of like these human ele elements, these things that we shot in Australia, mixed with the really tireless hard work of Jake Morrison and the VFX department that he ran. Um, him and Cindy um, Cindy Oaks. It was really such a huge job we had so many vfx shots in this film um you know it ran to the thousands and and it really blew me away just how much work goes into into all of these shots and the integration the um the texturing the lighting you know there's so much lighting happens um in post you know by these vfx artists and all of Hella's antlers, all the the head, the what you see on Hella um, here, this head thing, you know, it's all CG. It's all it's all added later on, which is absolutely amazing. Look at this, like all of this stuff here. Were it not for the work of Jake and his team, you know, all this would still be blue screen, and um, I would have been fired months ago. Damn it. Well, Heimdall. Didn't anticipate seeing that giant wolf there, did you? But giant wolf, you didn't anticipate Valkyrie in a 70s leisure vessel uh, uh, with a giant laser gun. Oh. Other Asgardians, you didn't anticipate the scourge in a zombie army stopping you from getting back to the city. 
A lot of people didn't anticipate stuff. To be honest, I expected more. Thor didn't anticipate being spun 500 times in the air like that and hitting the ground. Between us, I'm Odin. The moment coming up, the rightful heir, the which is quite gruesome. And you're nothing. You prepare yourselves for it. And Thor is going to become just like his father. So simple, even a blind man could see it. But maybe that's exactly what needs to happen. Maybe that's what needed to happen for him to to become the king he needs to become. This stupid dog won't die! This stupid dog won't die. I think I'm going to get that on a t-shirt. This, at this point in the film, things just start getting... You think this film's pretty crazy up until now. But now it just gets even more mental. Oh, what's the new movie? Uh, Incredible Hulk fighting a giant wolf. Zombies jumping on a spaceship. A whole bunch of people trying to escape from this planet. Antler Lady. Ripping out the hero's eye. Get that sword, even if I had to kill every single one of them to do it. This whole sequence, this whole part of the film, um, I would say it took over a month to shoot. It was, um, there was a lot of extras on set all the time, and uh, in Australia, in the Gold Coast, it can get very hot. And, you know, so it was very. Um, most days we were, you know, we were working in this intense heat. Um, we, yeah, we shot for a long time, and it was a huge, huge effort logistically, and even especially for the stunt department, they really had to go for it. And um, yeah, they, we got a lot of amazing fight footage, and um, it was the first time that I'd ever done something on this kind of scale, and. Gotta admit. Gotta admit. I would not be able to do this alone. Oh no, no. Tiger. Gone. Effort, but you never stood a chance. You see, I'm not a queen. 
or a monster. You know what? I say Thor's the god of thunder. But technically thunder isn't really lightning, is it? Thunder's the sound of lightning. So... Either Thor should change his name to God of Lightning, or should we change it so that he just has the power of some really loud rumbling, and he can just make his cool noises? I think I'm going to write to Stan Lee and ask him what he thinks. It's too late. She's already taken Asgard. Asgard is not a place. These two guys. This could be Asgard. With one eye each. Asgard is where our people stand. Even now, right now, those people need your help. I love this moment. This is the moment you want in a movie like this. The moment where it all, a big realization happens. He gets his power back. No. And finally we see Thor, as we've always wanted to see him, as the God of Thunder, Harnessing the lightning and using it and being incredible and basically being the hero we've been waiting to see for years now. And to top it off, we bring back the greatest song in the history of the world. This year, it could not get any more Thor than right now. all VFX. That whole shot with Hulk and that dog and all that water and everything, I mean it's amazing. It is amazing what they can do. And I do give them full credit. That is the Statesman I was talking about before, that giant ship uh, named after the, one of the Holdens. That is a statesman. Scourge is turned and he's swapping sides. He's going to save his own skin and get out of there. One of the things with Hulk is he's so you know such a strong character, and it's it's how do you get rid of him so that you know it makes it harder for you know for the for the heroes to um, to win their battle, and you know we, we had to. Then the, the, the best thing about having Fenris there was it gives him, keeps him occupied, gives him something to do, and um, gets him out of the picture while while Thor and Valkyrie can fight Hala. I think we should disband the Revengers. 
Hit it with a lightning blast. I just hit it with the biggest lightning blast in the history of lightning. It did nothing. We just need to hold her off until everyone's on board. It won't end there. The longer hell is on Asgard, the more powerful she grows. She'll hunt us down. We need to stop her here and now. So what do we do? I'm not doing get help. No. One thing we really wrestled with was, you know, figuring out, you know, if if we're going to make this Ragnarok, it has to be the destruction of Asgard. And we, we knew that that's something we were going to run at and that we were going to try and get there. But really it's the hard part is trying to justify blowing up a planet to beat the bad guy. So... Yeah, the, the, how we really got to that point was showing that even though with all the power that that Thor's just harnessed, even that wasn't enough to beat Hela, and that she does get more and more powerful, and she is just going to keep going, and she will never stop, and she will find a way off Asgard, and spread her um, spread her evil, and you know, and conquer more worlds, and so they couldn't escape and just leave her there; they actually have to deal with her, and. If she takes her power from Asgard, then to defeat her, you have to destroy her power source, which is Asgard. It's extreme, but I mean, look at this character. She's unstoppable. And as we learned earlier in the movie, the eternal flame brings things back to life and as we learned before that even Surtur's soul and his spirit entered into that skull in the very first sequence of the film and so those little those little eggs that were laid so early on in the film are now have now been incubating and are now about to hatch this here, this moment here is from the comic books, Scourge's Last Stand, uh, where he saves all the Asgardians, and um, it's a very iconic moment in the books where he um, fights off this zombie army with these earth weapons. Um, and it was nice, you know, for a bad guy, you know, to see this bad guy sacrifice himself for the greater good and for the people. Um, but I think it's like a it's a real fan favourite moment and um, it was good to see him redeem himself in some way. And in particular, this moment here where he uses that as a baseball bat. He uses that gun just in that position. That's uh, directly from a comic book frame. And now we're about to meet the big man again. You are reborn. Hello, enough! You want Asgard? It's yours. Whatever game you're playing, it won't work. You can't defeat me. No, I know. 
that he can. What the heck? Certain is full might. Now, this is actually from the um, the original um, idea of Ragnarok, the tale of Ragnarok, um, from Norse mythology. That Surtur is, um, is here with the destruction of Asgard. Um, he's a big part of that. The Incredible Hulk is no part of that. But we need to let him finish the job, otherwise. Oh, do I hear someone coming back? Hello! Look, the fire! Come here, look! Big fire! Can you see? Whoa, look! Oh no! Coming and looking the life. Yeah. What does that mean? Looking the life? I'm turning off now. Everyone turns the movie off. Yeah. <sighs> I'm gonna cover your eyes. I'm gonna look at the eye. Why? Because of the thing. <laughs> The big fire monster. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Guess what? Look at this guy. See this guy made of rocks? Hold on. This guy there? That's me. That's your dad. Your dad's made of rocks. On the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you love the most out of all of these people? Oh, scary movie. Do you think it's a scary? Yes, yeah, scary life. Scary life? <laughs> life is scary. I feel like all that scariness is gone now. And now it's just Chris Hemsworth. The movie's nearly over. And so is this amazing director's commentary. Did you enjoy learning about this film? It's coming look at life. Mm-hmm. Have you learnt a lot about the film by listening to this? Come and look at the life. Come and look at the scary light. Oh the light. Come look at the light. The scary light. What? The scary light. Uh, nah. <laughs> I'm done with S.
Don't give it life. I'm just giving it a life one. Not a really good one. Not a movie guana. Not a movie guana? Iguana? I wanna watch Moana. Oh, you wanna watch Moana? Yeah. Yeah. You know I was the first writer on that, don't you? You know, turn this off and watch Moana instead. Is that what you'd like? Should I do a commentary for Moana? Yeah. Any suggestions? Grown-ups. Yeah. Yeah, this is for grown-ups. I accidentally uh, stomped on him on the bridge. I just feel felt so guilty. I've been carrying him around all day. Oh, Mickey! What? Alive. Look at it, oh, look at it. Daddy. Hmm? What? 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 The end. Directed by your dad. Produced by an. A G, an O G, and that guy. The end. The end. Bye guys. Producer Victoria Alonso. Love her, Brad Winterbaum. My best buddy. Look at all these cool pictures. Nah. That's pretty scary. Is <laughs> that scary? Yes. No, it's spaceships. Mind you, you are too. I do forget that, don't I? Look at that, kitty cat. Kitty cat. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you think you'll buy the DVD for this? Do you will you buy the will you buy this and with all the special features? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think everyone else should? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to get out of here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, we're going to leave. Thanks for watching this film and listening to this ridiculous um, director's commentary. I don't think you would have learnt anything. It was just me talking, really, wasn't it? Oh, scary, Dad. No, that's Jeff Goldblum. He is scary. Um, and... Yeah, um, thank you. Look at a scary dragon. Okay, you want to say goodbye to everyone? Tell them, say, say goodbye here, right here, into this. Okay. I know this one. I don't know this one. Oh, hey, and again. Oh, I know. It feels like it's and again, doesn't it? Oh look, spaceship. I want to see your spaceship. Oh, another one. Yeah. Oh, be careful. Okay. Oh, I want to go to me. Look. This is a tag scene. So this is like, there's a little tag, a little tagaroony. I want to go see food to eat. Oh, you want food now? I want to go food to eat. Yeah, okay, let's go eat. Okay, say goodbye. No. Say bye. No. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye, guys. Nah. 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 I want to go back again. Okay.
Bye bye. Bye bye, guys. Let's go play today.
I just, I gotta say, I'm proud of you all. This revolution has been a huge success. Yay us. Pat, pat on the back. Pat on the back. Come on. No? Me too, because I've been a, a big part of it. Can't have a revolution without somebody to overthrow. So, uh, you're welcome. And uh, it's a tie.